Welcome to the Ion Annapolis Local Business Spotlight. There are thousands of locally owned businesses in the area, some small and some large. Some you may know and others you don't. But one thing they all have in common is a great story, and we want to share it with you. Join us every Saturday as we talk to the founders, the owners, and the managers of local businesses you have come to know and love, and those you will come to know and love. Now here's your host, John Frenet, with this week's Local Business Spotlight. I'm sitting in a building that I've never been inside before, but we are here at the Shiplap House on Pinckney Street, which actually is a little bit of a tongue twister, but we're here with Karen Timer-Brown, who is the CEO and president of Historic Annapolis. How are you? Wonderful. Welcome. Thank you for inviting me into your home. Oh, I'm I wish. delighted. When, do, do you wish, don't you wish this was your house? Isn't this cool? It's, it's a great house. It has really good energy, actually. I've heard there's um, supernatural energy. You know, I have not witnessed it. Okay, because I've heard, I've heard that this is one of the more this and the, I think the little Bryce house. Yes, and the, the big Bryce the, house. The, right. um, are, do do we have any? The big Bryce house is under construction right now. But are we? Do we hearing stories from the workers? I've got I've got a Bryce house story for you. I'll, I'll get we'll get to it later. We're we're getting way off track, and uh, I am playing Annapolis Roulette today because the Park Mobile app wouldn't take my password. Oh my! For some reason, it resets. So now I'm I'm not paying for the meter and going to roll the dice and see how we make out <laughs> a little bit later today. But you have been sitting at this desk um, for only about nine months now. So how did you get here? So um, I am very lucky to be here and honored to be here. I have been working at Historic Annapolis. I just had my seven-year anniversary. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, it's, it's been a wonderful seven years. I ran the preservation division, promoted to COO in January of 2022, and then assumed the role of president and CEO right at the beginning of the fiscal year in July of 2022. Do you like it? Nine months in, are you ready to roll, run out, or are you... you- I, I am energized. I am fortified with an extraordinary team of professionals that I work with day in and day out. Um, and I also have an, a great board of trustees that are really helping guide the organization. Sure, because they write your contract. Of course, they're wonderful. <laughs> I, know how, I know how that rolls. I know how that rolls. Well, you know what, what makes them extraordinary is they're very dedicated. Um, you know, Historic Annapolis does so many things, and um, and we really are, I believe, an integral part of the community in terms of protecting our historic landscape and the quality of life and that sense of place that is unique here. And so I think that's largely uh, accomplished through the tireless work of, of our colleagues here at Historic Annapolis. I, I couldn't agree more. Now, you talked about the work as far as preserving Annapolis and what we have here and everything else. Now, what is the difference between Historic Annapolis and the Historic Preservation Commission? Because I get that all the time. People are like, why do we have all these overlords when I need to replace a window pane? Yes, you know, and we get that same question quite a bit, too. Um, actually, years ago, I did a presentation and included a slide on this and, and had drew a Venn diagram because a lot of the work we do here at Historic Annapolis, we are a nonprofit. We're the leading preservation advocacy and education organization in Annapolis. The Historic Preservation Commission is a um, voluntary commission. It's mayoral appointed that works with the Historic Preservation Division in the Office of Planning and Zoning for the city of Annapolis. So they're more of a quasi-regulatory organization that reviews changes to exteriors of properties in the historic district. So while they are also educators, uh, we are stewards and um, advocates for our cultural landscape. 
Okay, so I imagine you work together with them as well. We do quite a bit, and very often the Preservation Division here at Historic Annapolis will provide testimony before the HPC on major projects. Also, City Council, if there's a legislative initiative that has the impact, the potential to impact the historic district. That makes sense. And as far as Historic Annapolis's role in preserving this living museum that we're so fortunate to either work, play, or call home, Yes. Uh, I mean, your role is to ensure that the historic properties remain as intact as they possibly can. Is that is that a real simplistic version? Well, you know, again, we are we're advocates, uh, we're stewards, and we're educators. So one of our primary responsibilities is that we have a public-private partnership with the state of Maryland, and there are a dozen buildings that are state-owned that are entrusted to us. So this, the property that we're in right now is Shiplap House, is one of those buildings that's owned by the state, but Historic Annapolis manages, maintains, and operates that building that's entrusted to us. Um, the other noteworthy buildings that are included in that leasing arrangement are the James Bryce House, the William Pica House and Garden, uh, other ones you might be familiar with, such as Hogshead, the Waterfront Warehouse. Um, and then we have one building that we own outright, which is the Museum of Historic Annapolis at 99 Main Street. Is it a, a lease? Do you have a legal lease on these buildings with the state? It is a it's a it's a forty year lease. It's called an owner's lease, which again uh, we do. We basically run the building in terms of ongoing maintenance and management of the properties. Okay, so Governor Moore can't come down and say, you know, that Shiplap House looks pretty nice. Uh, well, actually, he does have the authority to do that. Uh, <laughs> oh no! And <laughs> and um, we we had a, a chuckle when we brought Treasurer Davis over to better familiarize him with our partnership. And one of the buildings that's included in that leasing arrangement is half of McGarvey's. And so uh, the Treasurer Davis said, do you own McGarvey's? And we said, no, sir, you own McGarvey's. <laughs> so we had, a, we had a fun exchange. That's funny. Well, you talked about the buildings that you own. And they are the Bryce House, which has been under construction and renovation for, I think, longer than the buildings have been in existence, it seems. But it's been a long time. It's been undergoing a big construction. It is. And where does that stand? So uh, this is an extraordinary building. Um, we are really honored to be working um, with this in partnership with the state on that property. It is a National Historic Landmark. It's a five-part Palladian Georgian mansion that has a great deal of integrity. Uh, that property um, became part of our master lease agreement in 2016, and we started doing the restoration work shortly thereafter. We are, I would like to say, we're more than halfway there over the hump, and our goal, fingers crossed, is to have it completed by 2026 in time for the nation celebration of the 250-year anniversary of the signing of the Declaration. Oh, that's fantastic. That'd be awesome. That's fantastic. Yeah. Well, now, all your buildings are open to the public, except for the Bryce House at this point, I guess. Um, not entirely. So we do have, um, believe it or not, I mean, again, we have a, a dozen buildings. So we also have um, three Martin, which is our horticulture center. We have one Martin, um, which is immediately adjacent to that. Uh, that one is hopefully going to be restored in, in the next couple of years. Another one of the buildings we manage is 77 Main, which is where our store used to be located, and it's now being leased by Berkshire Hathaway. And then another one that many people don't know is a state-owned building is 206 Main, which is Alpaca, and 18 State Circle, which is the MFA. And then a new building that we just recently acquired last year, the state came to us and asked us to include in our 
leasing arrangement is the John Shaw House on State Circle. And that's oh. currently occupied by the Department of Legislative Services while they're rebuilding that new building. Interesting. Okay, so you've actually got some retail tenants that are in there as yes. well. Mm-hmm. Um, and office buildings, I guess, that you recently sell. Yes. Okay, mm-hmm. interesting, mm-hmm. interesting. But your main buildings, okay, Pekka House or yes. Packa House, depending whether you're from Baltimore or uh-huh. <laughs> yes. you know, mm-hmm. the big argument. Bryce House, you've certainly got uh, down here, I don't know what the official name of it is, but the Museum of Historic Annapolis, the yes. building probably has a name. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Sinclair Wright Center actually is Sinclair Wright Center. Right, okay. Mm-hmm. N- 99 Main Street. We call it MOHA, Museum of Historic Annapolis. MOHA. Yeah. You're, you're, you're so cosmopolitan <laughs> in New York. <laughs> it's the MOHA. Very sophisticated. Uh, that's funny. You know, but these buildings are fabulous, and nobody has ever been into them. You want to make sure you go in and, and check it out uh, to see how life was back in the day. Um, and you guys have done a wonderful job of preserving the history. And I would say even, and because I'm not a preservationist, but even more so, of being able to tell the story of the, of the history, of what it was like here. I mean, we're so fortunate. We're living in a community that, you know, literally Washington— could possibly have been drinking a beer right where, where I'm sitting. Yes, yes. Uh, we, don't, we don't really know that. But, I mean, to sit there and see how things happened as far as uh, we've got the homes of four signers of the Declaration of Independence that came from Maryland out of uh, you know, how many signatures were on there. I'm mm-hmm. losing my, yes. my history. Mm-hmm. But that's a lot. Mm-hmm. Yes. We're, we're a little tiny state uh, that we have. So that's, um, you know, get in there and, and check out the buildings that they have. Uh, and the, we've talked about the MOHA. Yes. I, get, uh-huh, okay, I had to uh-huh. think about it. Uh, and that's a fairly new addition. I mean, that used to be a museum store, mm-hmm. um, which went away, and you did this wonderful renovation, and it opened up last summer, I think, last March. Was Actually, it? it was just about, we're coming on the one-year anniversary this month. Okay, yeah. Yes, uh-huh. And I, I remember it was a very warm day when they had the official ribbon cutting. But that museum is just absolutely fantastic. Oh, yes, and I agree. Thank you. You guys have done such a wonderful job. And for those that haven't been there, go there. And a little bit later, we're going to talk about membership, which will get you in there for nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Terrific. As you, we talked about Annapolis being a living museum. And as you're in the second floor windows and the third floor windows looking out, uh, you've got storyboards underneath you looking out at that same view you know, 200 years ago. Yeah. Yes. Um, Yes. And what I particularly liked about that was that it was a, um, an up-to-date museum. It wasn't purely, you know, Annapolis's history didn't stop at 1900 or Mm -hmm. at, at some date and it's continuing today. I mean, today is Annapolis's history tomorrow. Yes. So you do have, uh, you know, unfortunately you have to include the Capitol shooting there. You've got, you know, Cars Beach, you've got, so you've got a lot of modern history that, a lot of people don't know about. Yes, absolutely. You know, historic Annapolis, most of the buildings we manage are 18th century. And so historically, much of our interpretation and our storytelling related to colonial period in Annapolis. And the museum gives us this incredible opportunity to broaden that narrative and broaden our storytelling up to, as you said, present day and beyond. Um, We actually take it up to 2026 for the celebration of the semi-quincentennial. But there are so many, there's layers of history in Annapolis. And the museum provides us an opportunity to tell the the various stories, the diverse stories and history of this incredible community. Historic preservation 
angle. What is the biggest threat that we're seeing in the city? Is it the city slickers moving in from New York wanting to put, you know, uh, I mean, is it, is it sea level rise? Is it, you know, I mean, what is the, what is threatening us here as a town? Um, a very significant threat, as you had noted, is the resiliency considerations and sea level rise. Um, you see this in coastal communities, especially on the East Coast, um, historic Annapolis, our community, um, the predictive models, future resiliency concerns are greater here than they are in other coastal communities. And in, and much of the planning and the work that the city has done, that we've done in concert with uh, Naval Academy and, and other um, institutions, um, can be used actually as a role model for resiliency planning for coastal uh, historic communities. Um, I see that as a threat. I also see, um, again, as a, from an advocacy standpoint, uh, we have concerns about um, the preservation of historic viewsheds and historic um, the the height and bulk restrictions that have been in place, in particular down in City Dock for decades. Do you actively go out and look for buildings to save? With like your cape or something, you know, um, and, and, and your tights and yes, and a, or, a, or a magic wand, yeah. right? Um, not actively, uh, but if there are buildings that um, we think need our attention, um, we hope we can provide it as a resource. And I'll give you a perfect for instance. A couple of years ago, Primrose Hill is a mid 18th century, very significant a National Register property, but it's outside the historic district. Right. That's off of Hilltop, right? Yes, sort of exactly. Across from Park. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, exactly. And, and it's, a, it's a wonderful building that um, was being protected, but the surrounding area was being redeveloped. And so we approached the developer and um, negotiated a historic easement on that property, which protects it in perpetuity, uh, significant architectural features that really define their character-defining aspects of that building. And um, so we put put that easement on, and it allows for um, Historic Annapolis to do an annual inspection, but we also weigh in if there's any modifications or changes to that property. So who's responsible for keeping up at, at this point? I mean, it's obviously... It's... So the developer actually sold it to a private individual. Okay. And so we work with, with that individual. Oh, that's and, pretty and cool. It, yeah, it is cool. Um, Historic Annapolis actually has 51 easements. Um, th- mo- and again, all of them are in the Historic District with the exception of that one. Um, and and they're kind of all over the place. Some of them are interiors. Some of them are exteriors. Um, some are for particular features like a um, boxwood gardens in the back or a beehive oven in the basement. Interesting. Yeah. It's, it's very not, not too dissimilar from like the uh, Scenic Rivers Land Trust. Yes, exactly. Where they're, they're turning around and they're, they're getting the easement on and say, okay, we need to preserve the land. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we can come in and snoop around every now and then, but... Yeah, we do any we do inspections, um, and so just again to ensure that those features that are called out for specified in the easement are preserved. Well, I imagine that your organization, with a focus on the past, uh, sometimes is at odds with those that are focused on the future to a degree. Um, how do you guys get along with the mayor? I mean, because we all know that Mayor Buckley has ideas. <laughs> and he's not he's not afraid to use them. Yes, and and you know I think the most important thing with redevelopment in this in City Dock and in the historic district that there is this 
overlying framework of this historic landscape that is um, that is appreciated and respected. Um, um, we have made it clear to the city administration and to others that we are not anti-development. In fact, um, we do support redevelopment in city dock and improvement, provided that it is um, in adherence to those height and bulk of restrictions that have been in place for decades. Okay, we're about ready to embark on a city dock reconstruction project. Yes. And we're going to raise city dock it's and resiliency, which would be exciting. Uh, and, and I know this is not on the, the table, but let's just say that they were going to build a house or something like that on the end of the city dock. Now, you're not, if that was allowed, your issue would be the bulk and the height and stuff like that, as opposed in the view shed, as you mentioned, but mm-hmm. not necessarily saying it needs to look like an 18th century building, or would it be? Um, well, first, it's primarily the Historic Preservation Commission does works with individual property owners on the review and the design. Occasionally, Historic Annapolis will weigh in to provide some guidance. Um, there are design guidelines that the city commission re, um, uses or adheres by that are compatible with the Secretary of Interior standards. There's treatments for historic properties. And so um, one of those standards is not to provide a false sense of history. You're not trying to pretend to be something that you're not. Um, and, and just one of the core elements of that is to ensure that infill again, doesn't detract from the historic architecture and does respect it in terms of um, setbacks, um, fenestration, materials. Um, and again, it but it, it can represent 21st century architecture. Right. Okay, interesting. What defines the historic district? I mean, it doesn't include Eastport, correct? It does not. So it's actually about 1,400 properties. Um, it's the, the core of it is City Dock uh, up to the Naval Academy, so I'm trying to think. Um, it would go up to St. John's, and then uh, it sort of weaves in um, about the first block of West Street, and then all the way back down to um, about uh, St. Mary's Street. Okay. So does that give you a rough geographic area? Right. So okay. So from on the Annapolis side of the bridge, mm-hmm. excluding the Naval Academy, just sort of up to maybe around Ram's Head, and then to the left, but not so much. Yes, and so the, the residential properties on Duke of Gloucester Street, all back in that area, are also incorporated in the, it's called the Colonial Annapolis National Historic Landmark District. Okay. It's generally the the area. Well, Historic Annapolis does an awful lot of events throughout the year. We do. And um, I have my favorites, and I'm sure you have yours, so what's your favorite? Um, I'm going to make you pick one. All right. One. I, I'm, I'm going to pick... The first one is kind of like picking your favorite child, right? Um, I would like to, um, I think my favorite is the plant sale. The plant sale is something that we've been doing for over 45 years. This is on Mother's Day weekend. Uh, We have a really dedicated group of volunteers and um, garden staff, Department of Horticulture, Joe Kachuk and Ben Cornwell, who literally spend an entire year planning for this sale. Uh, it's about 9,000 plants. They have little some that are um, propagated from seeds, some from plugs. And then these volunteers are cultivating, preparing for this, this sale um, for two days. And it's one of the, the best fundraisers that we host all year long. And these are, if I'm, I may be wrong or maybe I made this up, but 
some of these plants are actually propagated from the plants that may have been there when William Peca was strolling around in his gardens, possibly. Don't um, know. Well, and some of them are older and some of them are historic. Some of them do come from the William Peca garden. Um, and then some of them actually come from our volunteers who have been continuing to grow these year after year. Very cool. Yeah, it's 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 a wonderful, it's sort of Norman Rockwell like experience. It's and and we have people that come back annually. Um, it's a it's a wonderful wonderful celebration. I may have to check it out. I don't have a Please good do. I don't have a good track record with plants. Nor do I. <laughs> <laughs> but they but they are. We've got some hardy ones too, <laughs> and we have great um, experienced gardeners that can help. A friend of mine gave me a uh, I think he called a money plant or something like that, and he says this is awesome because you just put like a. Uh, Three cubes Three of ice, ice cubes, in, yes. in, in, uh-huh. a week, and, and, I, and I, I can do that. I yes. leave it near the sun and everything else. My favorite, actually, is the um, naturalization ceremony on the yes. 4th of July. Yes, And yes. for those that are looking for something to do on the 4th of July, this is something uh, well before the fireworks, well before the parade and everything else. It's in the um, the shadows of the William Peca House under a tent right there yes. above the gardens. Mm-hmm. And usually there's some big wig from Washington that comes in. To naturalize usually 30 to 70 new citizens. Yes, yes. Last year, I think we had 11 different countries represented. Um, and and uh, we had a living history interpreter. William Peca was there as well. But it, it is a very emotional. It's a, it's a beautiful experience. And, and to host it on the 4th of July makes it that much more impactful. When you look at the 4th of July... At the Peca House, yes. who signed the Declaration of Independence mm-hmm. uh, within spitting distance of the nation's capital. And I actually had no idea until the first time I attended this, probably back in 2006 or something like okay. that, that that somebody could be in the United States. You know, I knew they could come in on green cards and, and, and visas and stuff like that. But I didn't realize that people could come into the United States literally as a young adult or maybe even a child and not be naturalized, you know, as they turned around and they created, and it was the stories they were telling of some of the folks were like, you know, he came here from Sri Lanka at whatever it was. And he's, you know, been a, you know, he got his PhD and he got his MD and he's been at Hopkins for, you know, 20 years. And, and I'm like, shouldn't he have done that? And, and I, you know, it's, it's so moving to see how these people react to becoming citizens to, United States and in, in this really cool town. Yes, it's wonderful. It's Other wonderful. events that you guys have, though, you have the um, Peca Girlfriends Party. Yes, we do. Um, that's that's going to be on June 21st of this year. I'm going to write that right down. Please do. Um, and then because the guys whined about it, you've got the Blazers Bourbon and Cigars Party. Yes, and that's going to be in September. You know, it's a little bit cooler, blazer weather. True, true. A funny story on the Peca Girlfriends Party. Uh, during an election year, I had a politician that was running call and said, hey, do you have any spare tickets to the Peca Girlfriends Party? It was a male politician. And I said, which part of this concept are you missing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, this is not the place to politic, trust me. <laughs> yes. said, First of all, you're a guy and you're going to be, you know, if you're not pouring drinks, you're probably going to be out of place. <laughs> but it was funny. But you also do the um, Blazers Bourbon Station, the Peca Girlfriends Party. The plant sale, and you have done Annapolis by candlelight in the past. Yes, and yes. I know that it went on, uh, came to a screeching halt during COVID. Yeah, unfortunately. And is that is that done? I know that there's been hesitancy, rightfully so, of people opening up their homes, and 
this was one night, one night? It was actually two nights, and and to your point, it was one of our signature events. We had held it for years, um, and and people really enjoyed it. It was up to a thousand people would go tour, up, you know, as many as a dozen buildings um, on a on a usually in November, you know, kind of a crisp winter winter evening, winter weekend. Um, we did do a virtual one during COVID because people there was still very much a demand for it. Um, and we would like to bring it back. I'm not quite sure we will do it this year. We're still discussing it internally. We need to find out if, if people are ready to have a thousand people in their homes. It, you know, I, uh, I'm i sure nobody that offers their house up to have people traipse through uh, is opposed to it. But it's just with where we are to have that many people come in. But if that does come back, that's, again, a, a favorite of mine. That's uh, usually a... You know, peppered with a couple stops at a pub here and there for yes. a drink or so, uh-huh. and then continue on. And it's one of those events where you've got a lot of volunteers that are act as uh, pseudo docents, I guess, for these private homes. I mean, these aren't this isn't the Peca house that you're getting a tour of. These are privately owned homes that yes. people welcome you into. Well, Annapolis is known for rich, diverse architecture. We've got so many beautiful historic properties. And so it is an opportunity to allow people to come in and see their homes. And, um, you know, everything from Victorian style to colonial to Greek revival. Um, and then also to see how people live. You know, it's a, it's a living, working, right. historic district. It truly is. And I will also throw a plug out to Watermark and their Architrex tour. Yes. I think it's kind of a weird thing to say, but but it's all about the architecture. Yes. It's a little bit long tour, uh, a lot of walking, and but it's led by an architect, mm-hmm. a historian that can turn around and explain exactly, well, this was the summer kitchen of this, and this has been modified, and and it really a very fascinating look into Annapolis as opposed to, you know, that you've got the history tours and you've got some ghost tours that roll around and everything else. And that's an, that's another one of my favorites that I like as well. Yeah. Another program that we've been doing for over 50 years is our historic marker program. And, and apropos to the Architects tour, it the, the markers are color-coded by architectural style. We have about 300 of them in buildings in the historic district. Um, and again, it um, you know we have from colonial revival to um, four squares to um, what we call Annapolis vernacular, which is typically early 20th century architecture that are color coded by architectural style. Is there a map or a book or a, or a key for that? We do have a program, just a, a brochure about it that tells you what the different colors mm-hmm. represent. Um, and it has a very small map of just a couple of representative samples. Buildings. Okay, very yeah, cool. It's, it's very cool. How can we support Historic Annapolis, which we all should? I know that you've got memberships, and I was peeking at the website earlier just to make sure the prices hadn't gone up, and it's $50 for an individual, which is a bargain any way you look at it. Agreed. Uh, $75 for a household, which is even a better bargain. And what that does, that gets you into the museum for free. That gets you into the Peca House and the Bryce House when it's open, and there's some other little perks that are there. You up it to 100 bucks, and you get some Smithsonian perks. And then you've got that $100 million one. They let you live in the Peca house for a year or two. <laughs> but no, they don't, do, they, don't, they don't do that because we know what kind of party these people would throw in the Peca house and then they'd be all upset. But it's, it's a bargain to be a member. I, I agree. I mean, there's quite a number of benefits associated with being a member. Um, you know, our mission is to preserve and protect and connect. It's preserving and protecting our cultural heritage and then providing engaging opportunities to connect with that heritage. And one thing we're very intentional about 
at, right now at Historic Annapolis is not only connecting people with our heritage, but for Historic Annapolis, connecting with the community. And membership is a great way to connect with the community because, just as you said, it gives you an opportunity to come visit some of these sites again and again. Um, that is also something that may be of interest as the community gallery at the Museum of Historic Annapolis will change every couple of months or so. Um, so again, it's refreshed. Uh, we have um, educational programs from Hands-On History Days to Mr. Pecos Backyard. Uh, we have virtual lecture series that are at a discounted rate with the membership. There's plenty of little discounts there that you, that yes, you get, that, yes. and it does pay for itself. We also invite um, sponsorships for our programs, um, corporate sponsorships or individual sponsorships, and of course, um, always major gifts as well are always welcome. Facility rentals, you can rent the facilities out? Yes. Yes, we have um, weddings. We, we do have um, private events. Uh, you can rent out the summer house for a very small little intimate event. What's a summer house? It is a, a little garden folly um, it, located in the William Peca Garden. Um, and it's, it's almost like a beacon. It's at the bottom of, of over by the fish pond. Oh, okay. So that's that little, yes. that little, mm-hmm. that looks like a pill. Yeah. yeah okay. Yes. Yes. It, um, architecturally was inspired. We have a portrait of William Peca painted by Charles Wilson Peel with the summer house in the background. And when they reconstructed the garden in the 1970s, it was inspired by that portrait. And it's, it's, a, it's a small little building, but you could have anywhere from four to six people there for a, like an intimate gathering. That's fun. Yeah. I didn't realize that. I know yeah, I, I had been fun. to an event in the Bryce House before you guys actually, or I guess the state owned it. Oh, okay. But, Maybe International Masonry Institute. Right, right. Yep. They mm-hmm. were in there, and I think Ellen Moyer it was on. Actually, it was probably this time it was uh, during International Women's Day, and it was a mm. women thing. and. I was like, I don't know how I got there, but I was standing out like a sore thumb because it was, you know. You're not an international woman. <laughs> yeah, it was a little bit a little bit weird. but uh, And I imagine that, will that be available for rent when it comes online in 26 or? So we whatever. are in the we'll process of, of doing an interpretive plan for that building to, to okay. identify what future uses are going to be. Um, in the West Wing, that is the area that has probably the least amount of original fabric that may be re, you know, repurposed for gatherings and, and events and lectures and things of that sort. And, uh, you know, events on the back uh, slate patio of the Pake House are yes. also very fun. I've been to a number of them as Wonderful. well. Wonderful. And yeah, we, we have a number of weddings that we host year-round. Mm-hmm. Visit the museum, visit any of the buildings, find out what you can do. You can donate, obviously. You mentioned that. You can volunteer. Yes, we we have a wonderful, robust volunteer program. We actually, John, have as many as a thousand volunteers working at Historic Annapolis. Also, um, docents, our volunteers work on uh, in the garden. Um, sometimes we have volunteers that help us with painting the markers. Um, and then, of course, for some of our major events, such as BBC Girlfriends, and, and you mentioned Candlelight earlier. I'm presuming that you provide the training and the you know, the, the knowledge that they need to pass on to the masses as they... We do for the docents and for our volunteers that are working in the museums. We do um, a, a pretty robust training program. In fact, it's going to be starting just next week. What would surprise most people about Historic Annapolis? I think what surprises people the most is um, the extent to which we are involved in so many things and we have a relatively small staff. Uh, we have about 15, and then we have seasonal staff that work in supporting the weddings and the sales events and um, the museums. But 
when you think about from, you know, we operate several museums, we are involved in the advocacy work, we have the markers, we have the easements, uh, we do this restoration work, uh, the partnership with the state, a dozen buildings. It's pretty extensive what we accomplish with a, with a lean and, and very talented group of professionals. Well, you definitely are talented there. And you guys are, I guess, with your advocacy, I mean, you're sort of like a little bit of a lobbyist for the past. And, and, and you, know, you get into the governments and the cities and the counties and say, hey, no, we need, you know, this is what we need. Well, what I think what much of the work that we do is we work to place human narratives within that physical context to help promote the preservation and protection of these spaces. So uh, again, it's that storytelling, broadening that narrative, bringing more people in, um, and and sharing much about our cultural heritage, what makes Annapolis so special. You know, I got to think that managing, it's not probably not the right word, but an historic district uh, with the brick sidewalks, although most of the tourist magazines say cobblestone, but, uh, you know, the brick sidewalks and the uneven roads and everything else. Uh, and I know several people that, um, you know, are disabled. Uh, this is a bear of a city. Uh, and, I, you know, sometimes they say, you know, we'd love to be here, but it's just not very accessible. Uh, are your buildings accessible to? You know, it, it can be a challenge, in particular with historic buildings. Um, we are very proud. A project that we're getting ready to embark upon is um, an ADA accessibility plan for the William Pickett Garden. Um, many people don't know, but from the terrace down to the summer house, there's a 20-foot grade variation. And so we are securing private and state and hopefully federal funding uh, working together to develop this ADA plan that will weave through um, an accessibility path throughout the garden. The garden is so beautiful, though. Uh, and and, and that's, a, that's a 365 garden, too. Yes, yes. Uh, in the spring, it is just blooming and beautiful. In the summer, it's just very lush and green. It's it's a wonderful experience to go. Yes, it's, it's beautiful. And again, we're committed to making these sites accessible and as inclusive as possible. Um, that's part of why this, this project is somewhat challenging is because you have to um, you want to maintain that same sense of Georgian symmetry, that terraced landscape, the four parterres in the central alley. Um, so it, it is somewhat Boy, those tricky. Are fancy words. <laughs> well, it, it is an English garden <laughs> and dropped in the middle of, of an urban uh, Annapolis. But um, again, it's uh, somewhat challenging, but it's it's exciting, and I, I believe it's going to we're going to embark on phase one later this year. What would be the time frame to, would you guesstimate? I know, realize that you can't at this point, but I mean, what, two or three years to? Well, it really depends on funding, but uh, right now we believe we've secured enough funding for phase one, which is from the terrace through the physic garden um, and the kitchen garden area. And then we'll move on to phase three. So there'll be a ways to allow um, anybody who's disabled to go down to the summer house, which is where we have many of the wedding gatherings. Great. How long are you going to be here? What do you, what do you see as your legacy when you're out of here? Okay. We'll say 30, 40, 50 years from your, you're, you're out of here, your history. (laughs) uh, So I'll be here for another 30 or 40 years. What what is Karen Timer Brown's legacy going to be? So in most immediate, what I would really like to see is again, um, 
broadening our collaborations and our partnerships in this community. And we're really working towards that through the museum, but also some partnerships that are almost new, uh, newer to us. Um, for instance, the Anne Arundel County Public Schools and the Anne Arundel County Public Library. You can now check out um, passes to the Peca House and Moha at the library, and we're exceptionally proud of that. Um, the library is amazing. Oh, it is amazing, and and the the team that works at the library are really extraordinary. So we're we're working more closely with them, more closely with Visit Annapolis. Again, just broadening those partnerships through the museum, our partner organizations from uh, the Banneker Douglas Museum to the Naval Academy to the Maritime Museum, for instance. I, I, I firmly believe in collaboration and um, I draw strength from community. And so I would like to see Historic Annapolis be um, more pervasive or permeate the community in a more robust way. I think that's what I would really like, I'd be most proud of. Well, you're on, well on your way. Again, back in the Museum of Historic Annapolis, I know that there is, I mean, it's not just related, relegated to your properties. Yes. You look out the one window and it's like, okay, over the bridge and yonder down is the Annapolis Maritime Museum. You look uh, you know, up Main Street and just off of this corner of the window, that is the Banneker Douglas Museum. Yes. Uh, if you want to go find out more about the city, just you know, there's Visit Annapolis. So I think that that makes all the sense in the world. I do believe that rising tide floats all boats. Great. It's, it's a you know, stupid cliche thing uh, in the town, but it's, it's very, very true. Uh, Absolutely. It, it, it gives us an opportunity to be more impactful. And, and actually, we quote that rising tides um, all the time here because I think, again, it, it gives us an opportunity to really leverage strength from partnerships. That's another reason why this relationship with the state is so important is because we're able to work collaboratively to provide heritage tourism assets and to draw people into these resources. Well, I think the state realizes that the tourism is just so, so critical to, and, and yes, Annapolis is very tourist-centric. Uh, we can't deny that. But to any state, it is just so critical. You don't realize how many jobs are impacted by that, how many people are, you know. And, and we saw a little bit of that during COVID yes. when you saw, you know, the hotels and, and what, you know, it's the Uber drivers and it's the guy that does the laundry and it's, it's, it, it snowballs. Yeah. And Maryland, I think does a very good job of realizing the value and the importance of tourism as well as, you know, maintaining, you know, part of the reason we're such a tourism is because of the history that we have. Yes. Um, There's an organization called Place Economics and they did a study of kind of current trends in, in preservation last year. And I was reading it recently and they were talking about, economic development. And one of the quotes that I really liked said that historic preservation is economic development that makes people happy. And that that really spoke to me. It's this idea, I mean, Chesapeake Crossroads is another great example of heritage areas. Again, it's it's providing that historic sense of place that um, is a draw to both our residents, but visitors to come and experience our heritage. How long have you lived in town? So I've been here over 20 years. Okay. From where? Yes. Um, I'm originally from southwestern Virginia, Roanoke. Okay. Um, and my husband and I bought our first house on Cornhill Street. Um, and and we outgrew it as our kids were multiplying. And, Darn kids. Yes. They ruin everything, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> I was the little old lady with the shoe in the shoe because uh, we were just expanding. And so we moved out to, to West Annapolis. Um, but it is, it's such a delight to be able to work down here if I'm not able to live here right now. 
Annapolis is a great little town. I mean, in, and you're, if you're in West Annapolis, that's a section of town that in the next, I'm going to say 12 months now to maybe 18 at the outset, is just going to be booming. That's yes. going to be the uh, Georgetown of Annapolis, I think. I agree. I agree. Uh, they've got some really exciting stuff that's going on in there. And that's the stuff that falls sort of out of your purview in that they can do stuff. And I think MRE, which is the main developer over there, is doing some some great work. Yes, I agree. Now we we did meet with them to your point, you know, we we advocate for preservation throughout the historic throughout our historic town. Primarily we work within Ward 1, the historic district, but we did meet with them uh, uh, years ago to talk about some of those little Sears homes on Annapolis Street that, you know, individually may be somewhat uninspiring, but collectively it gives you a sense of what that historic street was like you know, in the early 20th century. I didn't realize those were Sears homes. I knew they had a number in Eastport. Yeah, there's a couple of them. And um, for for those of a younger age here, (laughs) Sears used to sell houses and catalogs. Yeah, the kits, yes. Mm -hmm. You could buy them, and I guess a a truck shows up with a bunch of lumber and go pick up a hammer and nail at Stevens Hardware down here. Mm -hmm, And and, and and build your home. Go to work. Yeah, and Eastport has some wonderful historic buildings, too. Karen, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for the work that you're doing. Um, you know, whatever we can do to help, let me know always. And uh, I'm looking forward to hearing about the Peka Girlfriends Party because I've never got the invitation. All right, mental note. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Blazer Bourbons and Cigars and the uh, 4th of July, actually, that's what I'm looking for. But I will, and I want to check out the flower um, on Mother's Day weekend. Wonderful. Thank you. And thank you for everything you do for our town and um, for always being a wonderful champion of historic Annapolis. Well, everyone wants to go to annapolis.org. That's a real easy website to remember. Uh, you can find out all the great things that they're doing. You can find out how to volunteer, how to donate, how to become a member. And it's really simple. Again, starting at $50 for an individual or 75 bucks for a family, one of the best bargains in town, next to a hot dog down at Pips or something like that. But <laughs> that's that. Uh, thank you so much. And uh, I'm going to see if I've got a ticket on my car on the way out. I hope not. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this week's Local Business Spotlight. Please make sure to visit ionanapolis.net for all your local news, events, and opinion. And in case you haven't already, please subscribe to the Ion Annapolis Daily News Brief, where we bring you all the day's local news direct to your phone, tablet, or computer in about 10 minutes. It comes to you at 6 a.m. every Monday through Friday, and you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.